Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Odds, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we discuss the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. Modern day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was a mistake. Was hey, no, no, that my, was awesome. My I, words I were love flying mistakes. a little too fast. Anyways, mistakes. I'm Danny. And with me as always is Aaron, so lead good. pastor of Building was, 28. That was really good. That yes. was really good. And you guys actually know our guest today because he preached here the first weekend of March of this year. That's me. That's Jonathan Robinson, lead planter, pastor. Liberty Church in Tampa has been a pastor for decades upon decades since he was four or five. Yeah, you know, that's correct. And yeah, so uh, yeah. anyway, no. Prophetic gifts. Yeah, yeah, prophetic, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With me as always is Danny Van. Yes, with you yes. as always yes, on the podcast. Yes, it's, yeah, it's a full I've sweetest, actually sweetest only been here with Danny Van and Aaron. Yeah, that's true. You know, so, so, so always. It's a good, it's a good crew. Always. It's a good since, crew, man. Since, since ever. Always. Yeah. So today we're talking about something that is kind of a hot button issue right now in our culture and it is the he gets us campaign if you have not heard of this i was it was blasted out during the super bowl a couple of times um tens of millions of dollars to promote it it's been running now for a couple of years but the idea behind it is this it's a this new buzzworthy campaign aimed at highlighting the humanity and relatability of jesus which as christians we should champion those realities that he was man that he is relatable and always was tempted as we are yet without sin, that he got stomach aches and headaches and disappointments and, and the whole nine of being human without sin. So right next to the organization's name online, it says radical forgiveness and love. And there's no mistake that these are the primary values that are conveying, they are conveying to the world about Jesus and Christianity. Since they're debut a couple years ago, but now it's been really heightened around the Super Bowl this year. The organization has caused both immense applause and pretty significant concern. So today we are asking the question, as only we would ask this question, is the He Gets Us campaign worthy or wicked? Boom. Bum, the only bum, question bum. that would be an Out of Oz podcast episode <laughs> yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. You have two options. <laughs> yes. You have two options, guys. Uh, both of them are extreme. So yep. anyway, no uh, so that's what we're talking about today. Because we have gotten we have gotten a lot of questions about this. I've gotten a lot. John said he's gotten a lot about, hey, some people love it. Some people hate it. Where should biblically based Christians land when it comes to something like this that is impacting our culture today? and impacting people's view of God and of the person and work of Jesus. So, yeah. Do you guys remember the first one you saw? Did you guys see it? F- I saw it for the first time during the Super Bowl. I saw it for the first time during the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. same. You too? Okay. I think the first one I saw was the one where they're all like screaming at each other. Yeah. Like, they did like, I think, um like a 30 second or something like that in the first half and then like a 60 second mm-hmm. in the second half. And both of them are basically the same takeaway. And so for those who are not as familiar with it, or maybe they've just seen a blurb about it, it really is the idea of there's so much hostility in the world. There's so many mm-hmm. people hating each other. There's so much division among politics and ideologies and religions and philosophical frameworks that Jesus understands everybody and he sees the big picture and he is a God of kindness and forgiveness 
and love and tolerance and affection, none of which is untrue. And so, but that's the message that's really being pushed forward. And you can go online and you can go to, I think it's he gets us.com and you can read, like they, they say, we have an agenda. And that is really mm-hmm. their agenda to push forward this Christ of sweetness and tolerance and social justice. And which once again, we talked about before, Christians should not be against true social justice, mm-hmm. um, seeing true justice reign in the world. And so in many ways, on the surface, at least it seems good. And that's what they're, they're trying to reintroduce our culture today, which is very hostile toward Christianity, to a sensitive, sweet, kind, loving, affirming Jesus. Yeah. I so. thought it was a political ad when I first saw it, you know, before it gets to the end where it says he gets us and there's Jesus. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm like, this is a political ad. No, me too. I mean, and then and I, I was saw like, that. man, like, are we That's early? a different movement. That's a different campaign. Me too. That, oh. We're talking. Uh, it's it's the same one, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <but laughs> it could be. It's all linked together. It's all tied together. Um, and so, like, I was like, man, this is this is a little early. Like, but yeah, I think that that's one of the things that uh, that, that was really interesting about this, you know, position of where they, they put it was, yeah, this is high profile. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't put an ad in a Super Bowl if you're if you're not really believing what you got. Yeah. So, and and it's a mixed bag of like contributors to this and supporters behind this and. Oh, yeah. Very mixed bag. Quite eclectic. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what we're chatting about. So okay. fire away so for us, Dan. We've kind of gotten to the surface of like your first thoughts, your first reactions to it. But um, some of their most popular commercials that have been searched on YouTube and Google thousands and thousands of times. They have so many hits on YouTube, so many comments. Some of these commercials at the end, you know, there's lots of dramatic black and white mm-hmm. scenes that they used to grab your attention, but at the end, they make statements such as, Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was canceled. And Jesus loved the people we hate. And like you said, on the surface, all these things are true. Right. Maybe? Jesus, what are your thoughts what, on Jesus these? wasn't a refugee like we would define refugee today. I think it's easy just to grab. Like, <laughs> Jesus was carted away as a infant or toddler to Egypt, still part, very much so part of the Roman Empire still subject to the government of his day. So it would be more akin, even though they left Palestine and went to Egypt, it would be more akin to you leaving Florida and going to Idaho. Like, I mean, it's still under the same governmental regime. It was yeah, just but, to escape. why? It was just to escape Herod. No, sir. And, and, then, and then they came back. Like, they, they came back to Nazareth, and that's yeah. where he grew up. And so I know it sounds like, but that, look, just because Jesus wasn't technically a refugee doesn't mean he doesn't care for the refugee. So you don't have to say that Jesus was something that, according to a modern definition, he wasn't, mm. to be able to say, hey, he still cares for the refugee. He still cares for the outcast. He cares for the, Jesus wasn't a widow, but he cares for the widow, you know? And so, but he wasn't, I understand why they're doing it. It's a marketing technique, but this this gets to the crux potentially of some of the problem in yeah. mm-hmm. that we can't misrepresent who Jesus is on any level, because then we've just recreated a Jesus mm. that isn't very powerful at all. Yeah, they're stretching truth a little bit bit. to make him relatable well and it's intentional though like if you if so i watched i watched all these these promotional videos that they have of of these things and the imagery that they put in front of your face is of refugee families modern day modern refugees modern day influencers you know all all of these things and then they go okay now jesus and so it's like kind of a little bit it feels a little bait and switchy in, in a way that like they're trying to create something that uh, is very intentional to elicit some kind of emotion out of us 
to go, oh, yeah. And there, there's an element of truth to what they're saying, which I think is the other piece of this. Yeah. It's like, how are they taking the piece of truth, but like in a way veiling it? Yeah. I mean, like in saying that Jesus was canceled, he was. But I think that's also it's such a buzzword because no one wants to be canceled on any side of the political ideological conversation today. No one wants to be canceled or hardly anybody does. I mean, there's some people that are, you know, wadding out. And so to be like Jesus was canceled, it just makes him extremely relatable to us because we've all felt that, that fear or that, you know, what if I was? Uh, he was canceled in a very different way. And he was, he was actually canceled, if I can just lay my cards on the table, for saying things that it doesn't seem this campaign is willing to say. <laughs> like, unless you, you eat you, my flesh and say? drink my blood, unless you repent, you know, Luke chapter 13, I think it's three and five, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Uh, I you am snakes. the way, only way, truth and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Those are the types of things that get you canceled. You brood of vipers? Yeah, you brood of vipers. Or <laughs> I'm Actually, a, I think I did hear like a, a political candidate say you brood of vipers. <laughs> I want to see that I'm on the website. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, and he's, yeah, and Jesus said some really radical things both about himself and what is required to follow. Follow him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet those things seem to be intentionally missing from this campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll just say this, because the last one was Jesus loved the people we hate. And he did. But he loves with a perfect love, not an affirming love, not an mm -hmm. enabling love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the issue. I We did a sermon series called Uncomfortable. And we talked about this a lot of times. It wasn't just in that series. But the outside of the sexual conviction of Christians the morality of Christians, if it's biblically based, no one typically has a problem with the behaviors of Christians. If we're being kind and thoughtful and gracious and generous and all the things we should be as Christians and all the things Jesus was. So nobody really has takes issue with the behavior of Jesus. It's the convictional belief side of Christianity that people have a problem with. And so what it's easy to do is set Jesus up as an example more than a savior. Mm -hmm. Because when he saves us, what is he saving us from, which is nowhere gospel, salvation, sin is nowhere that I saw on any of this stuff. It's just, he's a great example of like how we should be loving and affirming and get along yeah. and tolerating instead of, he is that, but that's secondary. And it's, a, it's an important secondary distinction that's made. Like we can't negate that Jesus is the greatest example, First John 2, 6, but primarily he came to redeem and to restore. Mm -hmm. And so he, that is a divisive message. Mm -hmm. And that's where you like, you read this and you're like, well, people are known for, for Christians have kind of gotten Jesus wrong because they're divisive. We talked about it a lot. We should not be purposely divisive, but whenever you step forward and say, this is true, for example, life is sacred from the moment conception begins. Mm -hmm. You have driven a wedge. You've laid your stake. Even if you say as kindly and sweetly, which we should as possible, you have caused a division. Yeah between those who disagree with that, and now the game is on. And so you can only play the super palatable, super sweet game for so long until someone actually asks you a question, well, what do you believe about abortion? What do you believe about gay marriage? What do you believe about Allah also being a way to God or atheists going to hell? And then as soon as, if you take any type of convictional stand, it doesn't matter how you behave. It doesn't matter what example you set. You have caused a divide. You've caused a rift there. And we're called to compassionately and thoughtfully do just that. Yeah. To call people to repentance, which people aren't going to like. And so that, that's the issue. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of Jesus love the people that we hate. 
And I think there's a lot of divide in the world, unnecessarily so. And I think that I talk about this all the time, that we just lost the ability to disagree without hating somebody. Mm -hmm. We just lost that. And then there's a lot of hate within the church even, like when we're called to be people of love. But just because I love someone doesn't mean that I can't vehemently disagree with them. Like I could, okay, like I could love the drug addict. Like, okay, we, we see this. Well, you shouldn't see it on like TLC or whatever. When you actually love somebody, you call them away from that, which is destroying them. You don't affirm them. You don't pat them on the back and be like, oh, just keep doing this and you're going to wreck your entire life and you're going to end up dead. No, you're like, stop doing this. There's an intervention. That's what Christ has called us to do in the world is like to intervene and to gift them the gospel, which is not our manufacturing. It's from him. And that's going to rub some people and that's going to cause some division and that's going to cause some hard conversations. And it can't just be, he's a good old boy and he's like cool with whatever. And he, he wants whatever your campaign is, just even when they say social justice in the world, it's like, what do you mean by that? There's no definition here. It's everything's vague, purposely so. I think one of the things I was just thinking about this is, is would this campaign be able to be rubber stamped by Hindus or even Muslims in the way that they view Jesus as a good example, a good prophet, a good moral teacher? And I, I really don't see anything here to indicate that, you know, I was recently reading uh, The Cross and the Crescent with R.C. Sproul, right? So talking about the differences between uh, Islam and Christianity and and the way that they view Jesus, even in, in their scriptures is, is yeah, hey, like he, yeah, he was a prophet. He was a good teacher. He was a moral leader, but he wasn't the things that, that he gets us campaign specifically avoids saying anything about his divinity, anything about yeah. sin. Actually, I think Islam goes a little bit further as far as affirming even some of the redemption pieces that exist. And so that's where I think that there's a there's an intentional mm-hmm. veil placed over these things because they are offensive as they should be. They, they are. Right. Tr- truth always is. I mean, it's kind of like when I look, I'll just keep it really simple. When I am not being healthy to hear my wife or a friend go, you should be healthy is offensive on a level, like, right? Because it's like, I'm not doing what I should do. And if they just come along and are like, hey, just just do what you want. Just do what you want. I just want to yeah. love you. Like, we're not like, I, I talked about all the time, my little girl, when she had her, her heart issue and the doctors found out, the doctor could have come in and been like, hey, no problem. Everything's fine. And then she dies a year later. Mm-hmm. And we've been like, why'd you do that? And he's like, oh, I just want to be like affirming. I just want to be like loving. And you're like, that's not love. That's like hatred. Like that that's, is hatred. That's, yeah. that's vitriol. Like that's, that is the definition of that. Um, John Lee, one of the chief architects of this campaign said, and this is, I think it's on the website, but he says this, uh, the team wanted to start a movement of people who want to tell a better story about Jesus and act like him. And I would just say once again, just as vague, a better story than who? And I would say, I, I know they're going to say than what Christians have been saying, but I think it's a better story than what the Bible says. Mm. You know, that's a problem because they're conveniently just leaving out, you know, whole swaths of scripture. Lee states this, quote, our goal is to give voice to the pent up energy of like-minded Jesus followers, those who are in the pews and the ones who are not, who are ready to reclaim the name of Jesus from those who abuse it to judge, harm, and divide people. Mm. Unquote. Now, on the surface, that sounds great. It sounds like very, oh, you're so sweet. That's so kind. When enlightened. When you start to just peel a little bit below the layer, you go, that would be anyone who is preaching that sin really of any form is wrong, but especially against the sexual revolution of our day. 
Like anybody who's standing up, which Jesus did stand up and Paul did stand up against vehemently so. Anyone who's Jesus, we, we know this, talked about wrath, condemnation, and hell three times more than he talked about heaven. Anyone who is preaching the exclusivity of Jesus, which Peter, Paul, and Jesus did mm-hmm. very clearly. So everything that Christianity comes under attack for was taught not first by Christians, but first by the founder of the faith mm-hmm. and the apostles and those of the early church and has been then taught throughout the centuries. And so a reinterpretation, like true revival is always a recovery of the truth. It's not a mm-hmm. reinterpretation or right. a reinvention of the truth. So to make Jesus as uh, he gets us, he does get us. I've always said like, come as you are. But then Jesus says, I love you too much to leave you as you are. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. That's conforming to the image of Christ. That's sanctification. These are all biblical realities. Which kind of leads into the next question, which I'll let you ask about the investment. Because... That's where I'm heading. So the He Gets Us ads seen during March Madness in the Super Bowl are part of their, this is what I read, their $100 million media investment. So that's not just the Super Bowl commercials. That's like every commercial you've seen in the past few years, any commercial you're going to see in the next few years. What are your thoughts on the price of this media investment from this organization? I think it's awesome. I have no problem with that. If you're getting the accurate name of Jesus out. Like, spend all the money you can. If you have the money to do it, spend the money. Give your lives. Give your bank account. Give what you can to put Christ on blast. But it has to be the accurate Christ. And that's where I was going with this. It has to be not just a part of him that's super comfortable and palatable. That part is awesome. Too many Christians deny that part in their effort to be, like, super self-righteous and condemn everything. That part is awesome. He does fully understand us in a way that no one else does. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, children, father, mother. He gets you in a way that no one else does. He understands your struggle. He sees it all, all the stuff that you're hiding from someone else, all the stuff that I'm hiding from other people. He sees all of it. He loves me if I'm his child, unconditionally and irrevocably. That's all awesome. But then he says, if anyone, Luke 14, (laughs) That he gets a campaign will not, he gets this campaign will not share Luke 14. If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. For he who will save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the kingdoms, the gospel will find it. Whoever does not, in comparison to their love for me, hate father, mother, brother, mm-hmm. sister, mm-hmm. husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, in comparison to their love for me, cannot be my disciple. No way the Bible said the word hate. It says that. Okay. And so I'm just saying like. Yeah. The question. So again. That's not going to raise $100 million in investment campaign though. Well, like what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they're trying to like, I think, make it relatable. Like, hey, Jesus gets us. Like, I think that's the name of the campaign. He gets us. He understands us. He is, you know, leaning into the humanity of Jesus. I think the question is, and where where I find fault in this campaign is that we don't get him, right? We don't get him. And what they're trying to make Jesus into is not maybe the most accurate of pictures of us understanding who he is. Really from, again, if we do love somebody, we're going to meet them where, where they're at to help them see something that they, they're not seeing themselves, yeah. right? To reveal those things. Again, you go to like some of the, the doctor piece, like, hey, you're not seeing this 
dysfunction in your body, this cancer in your body, this issue with your own health. Let me help you see that and also not just reveal it to you, but help give you a solution, a cure for that which ails you. Yeah, I was going to say that is obviously their primary message, but Jesus getting me and getting us on such a deep level means nothing unless he's God. You know what I mean? Like, okay, if I'm like an unbeliever, it's like, okay, why do I care that Jesus gets me? Because he is fully man and fully God. So I think the website- savior. I feel like I read that on the website. Maybe I didn't, but I feel like I read something that says- like we or, or Christians believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. But then it, I think it also followed up, and I don't have it all right here in front of me, but I think it also followed up by saying something like, but even if you don't believe that, he's still like this great it's like example. Even if you don't believe it, it's we like, invite so that's you. That's completely fine. Uh, like yeah. it's not, and I mean, that's the issue is we are called first and foremost to be representatives and ambassadors and not of Jesus as moral example but as Jesus Mm -hmm. as savior. And that's what we're calling people to, away from themselves, away from their sin. Look, I understand it says radical forgiveness and love. So forgiveness, if you you stop to think about it, because that sounds sweet on the surface. When you stop thinking about it, that means a reaction to a wrong that's been done. So there is a, you could say, a vague, implicit understanding that, okay, something's You've made a mistake at least, or you've transgressed something, or you've sinned, you know, whatever word you kind of want to use. Maybe we've all messed up, you know, like whatever. And he's just so radically forgiving. Look, when you talk about the gospel, when you talk about Jesus, we don't have to like lay everything out. Like we don't have to lay out the full scope of, well, if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit does this, 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 and this, and you know, or that's part of discipleship and Bible study as as you grow in the faith. But there is certain Paul, like flipping jailers, like, what must I do to be saved? Mm. And Paul isn't like, oh man. He get you, bro. Like I get it. Like you've killed a lot of people in the military, and maybe even outside the military, and you know a lot of bad stuff. He gets you. Just look at Jesus. Look how sweet he was. Just do that thing. No, Paul's like believe on or trust in, which means to forsake yourself and to, to lean on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the Lord. That was radical and divisive in that day with Caesar being Lord. Mm-hmm. So the Lord Jesus Christ, like do that, and it's simplistic, but it's also incredibly profound and divisive, and so. That's what we're called to do. Like Paul didn't go on missionary journeys around the ancient world to tell people that Jesus wanted to pat him on the back and tell him everything is okay and it's all going to work out and just stop being so hateful and divisive. Like just, you know, no, it was a radically divisive message that cost Paul his life. Beheaded under Nero, cost Peter's life, crucified upside down under Nero. Like 11 of the 12 apostles. 11 of the 12. And the one who wasn't was boiled and thrown on Patmos. And so it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it was not this super sweet it was, no, like the world is irrevocably broken. And, and I do appreciate they show that. They show that in the, like, mm. man, look at all this division. Look at all this brokenness. Look at all this hostility. But the answer is not the best example we can find, which is Jesus. He is the best example. But it's that Jesus is a great example for Christians to follow once they have trusted in him for salvation. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, like, if you're not a Christian, you can't follow the moral teachings of Jesus. I think Jordan Peterson does a lot of really good work on this, that Jesus was the greatest moral example that's ever lived. I mean, if you're like, I don't want to believe his resurrection claims and his salvific claims, you can follow that. But at the end of the day, that's just cuts in the line to hell, right? I mean, that's just all it is. It's just, it's just like I'm a little bit better. I'm I'm helping society um, so I can sleep better at night, so I can feel better about myself, so I can mm-hmm. be evolutionary 
processes of advancement, whatever it might be. So I think that that's, that's what we come down on is, yeah, Jesus is a great example. We would instruct our kids even before they come to the faith to follow the example of Jesus in a civil, moral way. But Jesus is the one who saves us out of this. And so it just helps us to kind of, in a very surface way, get along in the midst of all of this. Would you say that you think this is basically just veiled moralism? Or maybe not even veiled moralism, but basically like, hey, like act like Jesus, the world will be more loving, be less selfish. It's moralism without salvation. I mean, and, and only moralism in a sense, because if you're still telling people you can live with your boyfriend or girlfriend and sleep with them, or you can live in your pride, or you can live in your gossip, or you can live in your homosexuality, or whatever it is, you can just keep doing that. That's not even moralistic. No. That's just palatable mm. immoralism. Like it's just, yeah. it's just a broad brushing and going, hey, Jesus, Jesus really. I mean, just I think, I think I think what people are getting at here is it's not just he gets you, he's like cool with you. Like he, that's that's what people are taking away from it. Oh, Jesus, like he's so cool. Like yeah. he's he's cool with me, like he gets me. Yeah. And well, there was a know. there was a there was a pastor who you know, he was kind of used a different name, went on there. He was trying to find a church. He says, you know, hey, I'm I'm a trans person and I'm trying to look for a yeah. church that's going to affirm me. Um, and they they connect him with a church that was going to do that. And so like they're yeah. they're not just trying to get a positive message out, but like you were saying, they're trying to affirm where people are at yeah. uh, in a way that ultimately is going to lead towards their own destruction. And you guys know this because last week we actually, our podcast was Should Christians Redeem or Reject Culture? And I'm a huge proponent of redeeming culture and beautifying the space that God has given us. And so I think that we should in every way affirm, here, here's the issue, when movements such as this come around, they typically only affirm what culture wants to hear affirmed they don't disavow what culture doesn't want to hear disavowed. We have to do both. Like we shouldn't just be like people who are like always attacking and always disavowing. Oh, we should we should agree where we can and like find beauty and and worth where we can and point people to the reality. This is actually part of being in the Imago Day, and this is part of the redemptive arc of history. And and so all those things are important. But I think that that's that's part of the issue. Part of it also is that like you can sign up to be part as a church pastor or whatever. You can sign up to be part of this movement, and there's no credentials to it. There's no doctrinal sure. credentials yeah. at all. It's just like anyone can do it. And then I didn't even know what you just said, but like if if it's then it's like I'm coming into this, and I don't want a church that's not like talk I ever talk about sin, and I don't want a church that's ever going to talk about how Jesus needs to save me. I just kind of want this like He's affirming me. He's told, "Oh no, you're good, you're good. We got a church over here for you." Now there's massive issues. I mean, that's where evangelicalism has taken us since the hippie movement. Like, really is is this? That's the metro church model back in the '80s and '90s. Is is the Jesus who affirms? everything you do. And that's American evangelicalism. And right when you think we're starting to come out of that and people are starting to go, hold on a second, that can't possibly be true. Mm -hmm. And uh, at least within the Christian world, then something like this kind of gets blasted out. Then a hundred million dollars. Yeah. A hundred million dollars. They're, they're projecting a billion dollars wow. over the, over the next, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess. There was a, there's an article that I pulled up um, organizers hope to spend a hundred billion, uh, one, sorry, one billion to promote Jesus, which is like, you know, kind of getting back to your, your question that we rabbit yeah, off yeah. of, um, as far as like the use of these finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in, in a lot of ways, I think it can be helpful. Is it something that we can receive, reject, or should be redeemed? Right. Kind of going through that grid. I like I the think alliteration. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, I grew up Baptist. Yeah. Um, and so it's a thing. It's a thing. So we do you have, have an to acronym do it. for us. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that just the ways in which, like, is it getting a conversation about Jesus out there? Is that helpful? Is that the way that we should like engage culture, mm-hmm. try to make Jesus this this relevant idea? I don't know. I don't know if there is anything like that we can receive from that that's that's good. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm really I'm kind of undecided on yeah. on where I land on the other side of that. I think a billion dollars being spent on ad campaigns is a lot of money. You know, there is a lot of money that's out there and I for sure our government has used money a <laughs> billion dollars uh, without even blinking twice that have gone towards things that we'll never see yeah. any benefit yeah. from. Or so to criticize churches it, or churches that use it for, you know. Yeah. Not awesome. Oh, there's yeah, there's mega churches that yeah, yeah that's their pastor's uh, income. So a billion? <laughs> Dang, I'm the wrong place, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, listen, it's a it's a fallback. It's, it's I only fallback. get a million just, a year here. You can just uh, oh. <laughs> be a prosperity gospel if you uh, if all things fail. Look, I'm like if people are given, it's not taxation. It's not you know, it's not obligatory dollars given. Mm-hmm. People are giving generously to this, and they know what the campaign is for, and they, they have no problem with the dollar amount: million dollars, hundred million, a billion. Like that doesn't, that doesn't phase me. I think I would land on the side of, I'm thankful for it, even though I think it's, it's problematic because I'm thankful for it because it's going to open up a ton of conversations around this. Um, it is going to lead people astray, but everything's leading people astray. Like, I mean, uh, we've talked about it. I'm not trying to like rip on Furtick again or anything, but Furtick, Osteen, Joyce Meyer, like you go down the list of, there's so many, so many really, really popular millions of followers today on, on Instagram, YouTube, whatever, that are leading people astray. But God is using that to open up conversations with people who are serious about their faith. And that's what's going to happen here. I think that anybody who is truly thinking at all about this, or most people, will go, I don't know if that's completely legit. Like that, that that's completely... No, and maybe, maybe they will, but I think most people who are thinking at all are going to go, I have more questions. This is spawning more questions. And there are some people, and this is where we've, we land in the reform world is, unless regeneration takes place, they're going to always try to find the, the palatable affirming Jesus anyway. And so that's why we pray hard and preach hard the gospel so that the Holy Spirit will open up eyes and awaken hearts to that so that they'll see the error of this. And I think that's where we land is, is some people are like so rattled. They're like, well, man, people are being led astray. People are always being led astray. They will always be led astray. They will always run after their own lust. They'll always run after a Jesus. If they're running after Jesus, a Jesus who makes them feel comfortable and happy and safe until the Holy Spirit does something and they're exposed to good gospel preaching. So that's what we need to, we need to take advantage of it. I think as Christians, we need to take advantage of all these dollars that are being spent to have honest conversations with people about who Jesus really is, how amazing he is that he does get us. And yet he calls us out of that. He sees our brokenness and redeems us from that brokenness by his own substitution. Unlike any other religion, he's not like, hey, get better. He's like, I'll stand in your place mm. and, and love you. That's way different. Like that's a radical expression of Jesus in the gospel is it's not, hey, Danny, I see you. You're so jacked up. I get you. I get you. I get you. Be better, kid. Or John, I see you. You're so messed up, but I get you. And it's okay. Just live however you want. Neither one of those are accurate. Mm. It's Jesus goes, I see you. I get you. You're broken. You're jacked up. I'm going to save you from that. I'm going to rescue you. You don't have you don't have arms and legs to swim to shore, and you're in the midst of the sea. I'm going to pluck you out, and I'm going to Amen. save you from that. Like that's that's a radical message of actual radical forgiveness and love. 
that needs to be preached. And it clearly, I'm not just dogging the dog, like clearly it's not being preached on their entire website and a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars being spent to not promote that message. Yeah. And I know what you're saying about like, you know, we're going to be led astray either way, but it's like a special kind of evil for someone to mask themselves as Christians or like showing Jesus when they're not. You know what I mean? Not, it's I not just... I don't sit here say that most of them or all of them are purposely trying to lead people astray. Like, I don't know their motivation. I'm not questioning that at all. Like, I mean, um, that might be there. You know, it might be there. might not be there. I'm just saying my, it's my, not the same as like, yeah. you know, just a completely secular like Yeah, thing. exactly. But, but here we are. We're claiming to be Christians or maybe we're not. And that's what's kind of like ambiguous on the website is, hey, if you're not, like, let's just agree that Jesus is cool. Well, you know? I think that's been the the evangelical strategy for such a long time is is trying to make Jesus more palatable than he actually is. Yeah. And I think one of the – so I'd be interested to hear – And then the reform world goes, no, he's meaner than he actually is. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, times, he hates times. joy. Yeah, he hates you. Sometimes, some, some listen, of that world, some of that world. Sorry. Listen, that's uh, a little too close to home. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the issue the issue that I think um, we have to wrestle with, even as pastors, yeah. is how do we engage with something like this, not just from a outside critique standpoint, but would this be something as we are trying to give people not just a picture of what they consider to be the real Jesus, but the gospel, yeah. um, as it's revealed through the historical redemptive narrative of scripture, how do we as churches engage in places like this? Do we step in and go, yeah, like, hey, I know this is probably not the message that we want to articulate about Jesus, but will we even offer ourselves as churches and places where people who are trying to figure out who Jesus is as a as a bastion, as a as a harbor for them to to come and see and, and hear about Jesus? So would you would you engage in that way, or is this something that we would need to reject full stop? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go based off of the last episode, which was the first episode of the season, and go, I would embrace it as much as possible. That That's where I would land on this, and some people wouldn't be comfortable at all doing that. I would embrace it as much as possible because we do forget in all of our talk, in our in our tribe of Jesus being majestic and glorious in Revelation 5 and the, the Redeemer, that he was human, that he, from all indications of scripture, the kenosis is the theological doctrine. He emptied himself of certain, willingly, he didn't, didn't cease to be God, but he emptied himself of certain attributes. Like, so he wasn't omnipresent and it seems like he wasn't even omniscient, like that he didn't know things in his earthly ministry, that he grew in stature and in knowledge and favor with God yeah. and man, like all this stuff that we're just like, oh, that's, you know, like, that's a, you know, like, no, that, that stuff happened. Like he was a child. He was a toddler. He was without sin, which is crazy to think about. Right. Like I've got toddlers. Yeah. To think that a toddler didn't sin. I mean, that's, that's a miracle. Like the resurrection from the dead is nothing compared to a toddler not sinning, right? So yeah. um, I'm saying like- We need, we need to reevaluate <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah. I mean, that the humanity of Jesus, like the gospels is pretty silent in about 28 years of his life right there mm -hmm. from, from mm -hmm. once they come back from Egypt and the wise men and all that mm -hmm. to, or the wise men in Egypt to um, his earthly ministry beginning around age 30. It's pretty silent. And yet he lived as a teenager mm -hmm. and he was tempted in every way as we are. Mm -hmm. And I think we're so cautious about, we don't want to be blasphemous. We don't want to be like whatever, but it would seem like Jesus probably was attracted to women, but yet without sin. Like, so there was no lust. There was no burning passion that was there, but he saw the beauty that God had created mm -hmm. in humanity and he appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And he was maybe even drawn to it. But like James says, it's when lust is conceived that it brings forth sin. And so 
he didn't lust, he didn't sin, and yet there would have been temptations. I mean, pride. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in, in the Gospel of Matthew there when Jesus is led out into the wilderness and is tempted by Satan. Hey, you know what? Here's all the kingdoms of the earth. If you'll just do one thing, just bow down and worship me or just question God or a, demonstrate your power, which you've got to turn these stones into bread to show how awesome you are. Mm-hmm. And Jesus humbly submits himself again and again to the will of the Father uh, and quotes scripture to, <laughs> to, to rid. Counteracts um, a misuse yeah. of scripture with scripture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I'm going, I'm going, it's, it's these types of things that we need to probably do a better job of in our high view of the glory of God world, mm. which that doesn't need to be compromised, but we need to do a better job of actually talking about the humanity of Jesus and right. the temptations that face Jesus and mm. the difficulties and the struggles and the, the maybe borderline anxiety without sin that was there. And the, I mean, clearly you said in Luke 22, right? I mean, like he was oh, yeah. sweating the drops anxiety, off the blood, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like that's humanity, like on display and he does get us so that when we're going through something, I can go, well, he's not just saving me from it, but he like, he knows what that was like. Like when I'm like, yeah. God, why? I'm like Luke 22, Jesus basically said that. Yeah. Like God, if it's possible, like let this yeah. truck pass from me. And I just think that we've lost that at times. We've, you know, we've lost in, in an effort to not be, oh man, I don't know what I should say here. I don't want to be blasphemous, whatever. We've lost it, that Jesus struggled and was tempted and was tested and was human, like, like born of a woman, born under the law, born in the flesh, born subject to the curse of the world around us. So he gets migraines and and obviously takes the nails and the lashings and feels the rejection of. Like, I don't think we talked about that. It's like it's oh, more, yeah, you know like the rejection and betrayal of like his yeah. best friends. And we're like, well, he was Jesus, so you know, like it doesn't really matter. And we're <laughs> like, no, like these guys like ran off. Like I feel the pain when it's when I feel betrayed by friends, and they probably betray me because I'm pretty messy and jacked up. And they're like, I don't want to be friends with him anymore. Like Jesus wasn't. Like other than the whole like eating my flesh, drinking my blood thing, like they might not have understood, but like you know what I mean. Like it's he's never does he's 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 perfect. Like he's he's given this this you know. It wasn't just like emotional betrayal; they betrayed him to be killed. To to be killed, like they ran off. They're like, we will never betray you. We could never understand that. I'll never abandon you. Hours later, they're like falling asleep, and then they're running off. And you're just like, for Jesus, like we can. Luke records this. Matthew records this. Mark records these things for us, so that we can start to understand that when. Scripture says he was tested, tempted in every way like as we are, yet without sin. Then we can see in the gospels, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Like he really was. And so I do think we should preach that. And so that's the part that I would buy into. And I would love to, if I sat down with somebody or we did a class on this or sermon or whatever, we're now a podcast. Like, man, let's lean into the yeah. good side of this. Like he does get us and he is relatable. But then let's also preach the uncomfortable side of this that yeah. we need to talk about. That's just so amazing. And it's so comforting. Like the wondrous mystery. And I just wish that every person that saw those ads could like see the depths yeah. of how he really gets us and not just the surface level. Cause that there's so much more. That's like, yeah. I mean, you say the wondrous mystery, like that just brings me to that song. Come yeah. behold the wondrous mystery. Riley's favorite. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's why it is a mystery. Jesus's divinity and humanity co-mingled, mm-hmm. right? Not just in his earthly ministry, but for eternity, yeah. right? He has a body, right? He is divine. And that's to strip Jesus from his divinity and only focus on his humanity is wrong. 
right? To strip Jesus of his humanity and only look at his divinity. Yeah. You know, that's Gnosticism. So like, that's wrong. Uh, and so we have this picture of, of a whole Jesus. And that's, that's the picture we want people to get. Not just he gets you in your, as a human being, he gets you in where you're at, but also look at who he is. Yeah. Right. And to take only a part of that is to cheapen Jesus mm-hmm. and to make him less beautiful than he actually is. And to like, still like the whole reason why, why the hypostatic union exists, why he's fully God and fully man. Cause yeah. it's like, if he was not man, he could not stand as a substitute. Right. That's the whole idea. Like he had to, he stood as a substitute in our place, condemned he stood. And yet if he was not God, his sacrifice wouldn't be worth anything. Like right. it, would, it would just, it would not redeem humanity. It's comforting to us in this life, but it's comforting for us for eternity because he stood in my place once and for all time, Hebrews 10. And yet he accomplished eternal redemption for mm. us as the God man. And so it's, it's true. Like if he's just man, if he's just, it doesn't really mean anything to me. Like it sounds cool on the surface, but then when you start to peel about, I'm like, well, who cares? John's a man and he like gets me too. Yeah. Like any, any dude can get me. I any, do get you. You do get me. You do get me. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel the love. Um, and so the big takeaway here is we utilize everything as much as we can. The culture kind of throws our way. We say it all the time here. We, we do not have permission to sing songs inaccurately about Jesus or God. Like, we mm-hmm. don't have permission to do that. Like we can't just like, oh, this is what I'm feeling today. If it's not biblically accurate, we can't do it. We don't have permission to market mm. or preach a falsified or stripped down or marginalized view of Jesus that's so vague, saves nobody. But we do preach his humanity, his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, his mercy, his relatability. And we preach his justice, his judgment, that he is divine, his redemption, mm. the eternality, co-heirs with Christ. We preach the whole gospel. The full um, counsel of God. full counsel of scripture. And that's what we have to do as Christians. And we test the spirits. We look at stuff like this and we look at other things, cultural phenomenons that are going on inside the church, outside the church. And we just test it and we think critically about it. We try not to be critical about it, but we think critically about it. And so that's, that's the encouragement and that's the takeaway today. Hopefully you guys got us today and uh, tracked with us. And as always, you can drop questions into the comments below. Subscribe to the channel. Danny will be here all season. We got different guests. Thanks for being on, John. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Fun times. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.